You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 49. Welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. And boy, oh boy, is it great to have you back for another half hour with me today. We are going to discuss reaction responses, and we're going to dive a little bit deeper into cross addiction. But before we do that, let me tell you about my favorite holiday of the year. And really, my favorite holiday of the year isn't even technically considered a holiday, although I don't understand why it's not. It's called Super Bowl Sunday. Now, I won't dive into this too much if you're not a sports fan, but I will just have to tell you that for me, football was always a gigantic trigger towards escalating my drinking to the point of absurdity. And for the few years that led up to my ultimate decision to become sober, um, football season was really just a bit out of control. Saturdays with college football, Sundays with the pros. Monday night, there was more pro. Thursday night, there was a pro game, college games. There, there was damn near every night. There was pretty much during the football season, you could find football on any day of the week. And if not, I would record them and then watch them and just get drunk to them, even if I already had seen them. <laughs> so... Um, when I first got uh, sober, my very first Super Bowl was the Atlanta Falcons-Patriots one. And that was about two weeks after I'd gotten sober. I got sober on January 13th, 2017. And my intention was to actually get sober the day after that Super Bowl. Um, my drinking was so out of control. Uh, luckily, I chose to get sober beforehand. I don't know if I actually would have followed through and, and gotten sober after that Super Bowl. But I I, I couldn't continue on any longer and I got sober and I remember that very first Super Bowl sitting with my friend Paul and Ron each of them to my left and to my right at the same Super Bowl party I've been going to for like five or six years um, at this place called the Magic Castle here in Hollywood California and uh, it's a pretty cool place they got magic all over the place and people perform magic and it's very historical anyways on Super Bowl Sunday they turn the downstairs into this gigantic sporting venue and we all sit there and watch it and for both of the Broncos ones I had just gotten annihilated and so here's my very first one two of my friends on either side of me and uh, they really supported me the entire day and it, and it was tough because that was you know uh, that for me that was the day to really you know put drinking on a whole nother level and so here we are you know now um, three Super Bowls in you know was that right is that about three Super Bowls? yeah I think three Super Bowls um, in and um, I will say that it is so awesome to be able to watch that game and be sober and enjoy it and think that it's as amazing as it is. I love football. Uh, the Chiefs played a wicked game against the 49ers. Um, I really didn't have a, a, any skin in this game at all, so I was I was happy with uh, just the fact that it was not the Patriots or the Packers. Um, but ultimately, it was a tremendous game. I was pulling for the Chiefs. They did some miraculous stuff, and it was just it, I got to spend it with one of you know one of my best friends. Uh, it, she enjoys it because she enjoys watching me get excited to football, I think. I don't know how someone who likes football but doesn't care much about it as I do uh, would 
be so <laughs> patient to watch as much of it as she has with me. Um, shout out to you. Uh, you know who you are. But the point is that it was just, it was a tremendous day. It, it was, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. It was exactly what I needed it to be. And for those of you who have those trigger moments, that you have those things that are amazing to you that you used to go drink at a lot. Um, my friend Gumby, he follows the show. He follows me on Instagram. He talks about going to music and Gumby for you out there. I will say that it, it's all about actually just going and putting yourself into those situations and beginning to experience them in a way that will show you that you can do this, right? I'm, I'm looking right now into my, let me see where it was this. Um, let me, you know what, let me see. It's, it's called system, systematic desensitization. So I was looking in my notes. I met this, this man at the, at the fish show a while back ago when I was there in Charleston. And um, I'm going to have him on the show later on this year. And he was talking about systematic desensitization, where you have to go to the places that you used to get intoxicated at in order to show yourself that you can still enjoy them and it can still be a great time, even though you're not getting intoxicated. And so for Gumby, you know, when wanting to go to live shows, Systematic desensitization is, is extremely important. For me, going to that Super Bowl party and having Ron and Paul there, and even whenever I, you know, I'd start to get a little sweaty, I'd start to get a little bit nervous. They were there, like, you know, they, they were keeping my attention off of the drinking that was going on around me and focused on the football game. And it was just, it was marvelous. And now I can watch football and I don't get triggered and I don't even notice the people drinking it around me. And it's really just something that I'm so happy about because I would have hated to have to say goodbye to football, which I would have done if I wasn't going to be able to handle it and, and not drink. And so yesterday was just an absolutely amazing day. I've come so far in my, in my addiction recovery to be able to go to those kind of events and not drink. And so I, I highly, it's not even that I'm not drinking because I don't want to drink, but that, that it doesn't even bother me that there's people drinking around. You know, I can't go to a, a normal bar where there's not darts or pool or something to occupy my time because just sitting around at a loud bar watching everybody get drunk and heaven forbid if it's a bar where you can smoke inside of and now I've got to have cigarette smoke all around me and as a 20-year smoker, I nothing against you if you smoke, more power to you. I still think they smell delicious, but if you're just sitting around like 400 people in a bar and they're all smoking cigarettes and getting drunk, it's not exciting any longer. Um and I know that about myself, so I don't put myself in those situations, and I'm okay with that. Um, where I want to finish this up and move on to the rest of the topics today is that if there's something that you really love doing but you used to always do it intoxicated, get yourself a nice, strong support group and go and experience it. Even if you just go for an hour and then it starts to become uncomfortable and you leave, it's like lifting weights. One day you're only doing 10 pounds. A year later you're doing 50 pounds. You've got to get yourself in there and just start activating the new muscle memory, the new the new sensations that will come from going and experiencing experiencing something that you loved when and you just happen to be intoxicated at, I can assure you, you can still love it and be non-intoxicated. You just have to go out there and step into it. It was an amazing day. It just further cements that everything I'm doing is, is, is on the right path. I loved the game. It's sad to see football go, but how can I miss it if it's never gone? It'll come back in August and I'll be just as excited for the 2020 season as I was for the 2019 season. And once again, I'll be able to go right through it all without a drop of alcohol or any kind of drugs in my system. So systematic desensitization, 
I'll take note of that. I'll actually make that a topic later on down the line. But for now, uh, what I want to talk about is response, reaction, and cross-addiction. And we're going to stick on cross-addiction just for a few minutes because I got some feedback about the episode uh, about cross-addiction. And the and the person was telling me that it, if you Google cross-addiction, it is very difficult to come up with anything that's not just so over-the-top scientific that it actually just... It, it just my eyes started to bounce around, and I love science type crap, but not when it comes to this stuff. So, um, you know, just like I was saying about going out and loving football, a way that I could have used football as a cross-addiction is all the time that I was giving to alcohol and drugs, I could now just dive in deep into football, right? And then it becomes just such an obsession that I'm watching it all the time. I'm researching it all the time. And yeah, I put an inordinate amount of time into football. Some weekends I'd watch it for eight hours on Saturday and eight hours on Sunday. And I just love football where it can become a cross addiction. And again, an addiction like we discussed last week is a behavior that becomes uncontrollable. So even though you know that what you're about to do is is probably going to end up badly or it's going to hurt you or cause you harm, you continue it anyways. Start looking for areas in your life where you're cross-addicting. You know, did you give up alcohol and drugs and now you spend four hours a day at the gym, you're doing it in the morning, you're doing it in the afternoon, you're doing it at night, Uh, you know, you're running yourself ragged, you're not giving your body a chance to recover, you're using it as a cross-addiction. You're trying to fill up that void that alcohol and drugs have left with something else, even though it's going to cause you harm down the line. Maybe you've turned and now you just sit around and you watch TV for 10 hours a day and you think that your life sucks. Um, Somebody on Instagram recently had a post like that about, you know, 10 months in, he thought it'd be better. And I'm reading some of the comments and I'm going through the rest of his posts and I'm realizing he quit doing alcohol and drugs, but he doesn't, he doesn't go out and make sober friends. He hasn't tried to come up with sober activities. Uh, It doesn't pick up a hobby. He just basically goes to work, comes home and just sits there and 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 he misses his old drinking buddies and he misses his old life because he hasn't replaced it with something new. Replace the addiction with something that addiction took away, with a hobby, with something that you were passionate about when you were younger. Bring it back, but don't become cross-addicted to it. Don't take that, that, that space that alcohol and drugs used to, to, um, used to inhabit and then move something else into it at where it becomes what once was the medicine eventually becomes the poison, right? Alcohol and drugs were once the medicine for how we were suffering and how we were trying to overcome our emotions and and our inability to deal with our emotions. And at some point, it became the poison that actually was worse for us than had we just sat in the negativity of our emotions. So look where in your life, and, and hopefully nobody is. Hopefully you can say, okay, I'm being very balanced across the board. I'm not being cross addicted. But be mindful of that. And if you go to Google it, yes, it's not going to be the easiest thing. There's going to be studies that say that maybe it doesn't even exist. I don't need a study to tell me it exists or it doesn't. I know I've watched people turn, you know, whether it be to gambling or sex or porn, or you just maybe they become wildly obsessed about their dog. You know, it could be whatever it is. If it becomes something that overtakes your life to the point where you, you stop having control over it, then you have found yourself in a cross addiction. And it's important that you're just mindful of it, right? It's not bad if you found yourself cross addicted. It's just important that you're mindful of where that can show itself. And then you can start to release it. 
if you find yourself becoming obsessed with something, it's if you think about, I feel like everybody's grandparents here, somebody you know who's extremely old has a hoarding issue. You know, whether, whether you know, people are like, oh, I know people who lived through the Great Depression. That happened in like the 20s of the last century. So if, you know, if they were kids and they were 10 and they remember that, they're probably 90 or 100 now. This, this is something that was happening all throughout, you know, uh, especially after World War One, moving into World War Two. There was just not a lot. We weren't, we were, our country had all of its resources into the war. So people began to hoard what they could. And now you're seeing those people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And I guess if you were a World War II vet, you're probably in your 90s. And so even if you're, I've still, I don't know, if, you know what, let me take it all back. It doesn't matter what decade you were born. There are some people who just live with a scarcity mindset and they hoard things. That hoarding is a form of addiction that they're never going to have enough. They need to They need to keep everything that they've ever bought. If they have an addiction somewhere else and then that goes away, the hoarding gets worse. So I only bring this up as another example. If you see someone hoard, that is a form of addiction. And it can show up as something as simple as that, but eventually their houses run amok with newspapers from 40 years past. <laughs> and my grandma used to have like 175 vases in this one closet. Um, so... Cross addiction can be so many different things. So just be mindful of that and, and know that it is real, regardless of whether a study could prove it or not. You've seen it in yourself. You've probably uh, seen where you start to become a, a slightly obsessed about things. You definitely have seen it in uh, other people that you know uh, or in your meetings. And so just be mindful of it. And when you see it in yourself, um, start to uh, figure out ways to release whatever that new addiction is and just be healthier, right? Um, we all have things that have become habitual and we all have things that we like to do a lot. Um, it doesn't mean they need to become a detriment to our health. So there's, there's a little bit more on cross addiction. Let's talk about reaction response because tonight in one of my therapy sessions, um, we talked about um, response and it was a pretty cool um pretty cool uh, passage that was handed out to us. And so I'm going to read it to you and then we'll dive into it a little bit and we'll break it down. So this is what it says. Today, I recognize that there is little to be gained by letting other people's actions dictate my reactions. If I feel I have to respond in kind, I know that I will be hurting myself and wasting my time. When I feel someone is attacking me, I would do well to consider the source before I react. If I am willing to forego revenge, I may be able to see a cowardly or provocative act toward me for what it really is. Do I really need to convince the other person of what I see? Or might it not be enough just to escape the situation with my own peace of mind intact? Now, what I love about this is that um, today I recognize that there is little to be gained by letting other people's actions dictate my reactions. I've talked about this in the past when it, when it comes to like somebody cutting you off, their action of cutting you off, right? Do you allow that to dictate your reaction? Do you start to scream at them, chase them down, honk, flip them off? Like I said last week, we have no idea what's happening in their life. You don't know if they're on their way to an emergency, they're late to work, they're, whatever is going on in their life, it's not like they woke up today and said, you know what, I want to threaten everybody else's life with my car. Now, they might be a disrespectful douchebag. I don't don't know, 
right? And that's not for me to judge. All I know is that person sped by me. They put my car in danger and just as fast they were right out of my life. Do you let their action control your reaction? Do you let it ruin your day? Do you let it anger you so that you then go off and you take out that anger on somebody at work, somebody close to you, somebody else in your life? Because that is not an allowable action on your part. All right, let's let's make that perfectly clear. It is not an allowable action on your part to let someone who, who you know passively did something to make you angry then allow it to ruin your day or have you lash out on other people. All right, that's what people who are unmindful of their emotions they're 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 not. You know, that's to me that's that's the kind of behavior that happens to people who aren't doing what we're doing. Right, I'm not saying everybody in the world who is in an addiction who is not in addiction recovery isn't doing it right. Right, we just decided the way we were doing it was no longer serving us, and it was time to try a different way. One of the things that we have to be mindful about changing in ourselves is having emotionally triggered reactions to other people's actions. I am not great at this. I I, I hold my emotions in, and when they come out, they can come out in a very very negative way. So when I talk about this stuff, I by no means am perfect at it, but I'm mindful of it and I strive to make it better. Whenever I come home, uh, this happened to my with me and my old roommate, I came home one day, the garbage was stinky. Um, I had been at work since 6 a.m. It was about noon, so he had been home all morning. I walk in, the garbage reeks, he's standing in the kitchen, and I immediately am like, why does the garbage stink? Why didn't you take it out? I immediately lash out. And rather than just go in and be like, oh, this is disgusting, I'm going to take it out. Regardless of why he did not take it out. I knew I wanted it out of the house immediately. And instead of just doing it and being and, and calmly saying, you know, you've been home all morning. Why didn't you take this out already? I immediately came in the kitchen, said something to the effect of, I can't believe you've been standing here and you didn't take this out. I immediately emotionally lashed out and it turned into something way more than it needed to, right? Any chance of it being a normal, mature conversation went out the window with my childlike um, triggered re- reaction to him just standing next to a stinky garbage can. I don't know why. Maybe he had, I don't honestly remember even now. Maybe he had just gotten up. Maybe he didn't want to take it out. Maybe he was planning on putting some more stinky stuff in there and just thought, I'll take it all out at once. Maybe he can't smell. I don't know. <laughs> but what I do remember from that was like, calm down, Jess, and don't have an emotional reaction. See, when when people bring things up, to you when people want to have a conversation when people when people act a certain way around you and like I said last week in last week's episode everybody's action is meant to have a positive outcome even if it's just for themselves right whatever whatever somebody says or does you know if you if there's a banana on the cabinet and you and everybody knows it's yours but somebody else walks in and they eat it anyways right they may have known it was going to make you mad, but at the time they really wanted a banana and they were willing to take the repercussions for eating that. When somebody does something, it is for a positive reason. It is, the positive reason might only be for them. So if somebody cuts you off on the road, right? They're, they wanted a positive out of that. They wanted to be able to get by you so they can get by the next 30 cars and they can make it to their destination three minutes faster than they would have had they just drove like a normal person. There's a positive 
um, there's there's a positive energy around. There's a positive reason. There's there's a positivity. I this is what I want, and this is how I'm going to act to get it. They're searching for that. They're not necessarily searching to piss you off or harm you or, or, or do anything negative towards you. They just know what they want, and they're going to move forward on that mission. The next line of this says, if I feel I have to respond in kind, meaning if somebody snaps at me, I have to snap back, I know that I'll be hurting myself and wasting my time. Nothing. When two people are screaming at each other at the top of their lungs, no one's listening, nothing's getting resolved. That's just the way that it is. Nothing will ever get resolved when, pe- when two people are screaming at each other. When I watch these politicians just, you know, make sharp little barbs and act snappy towards one another, whether it's, in, you know, whether it's in the House or it's in the Senate or it's on the news or it's on the Twitter, whatever it might be, like that's that's not productive. Just because we see these these people who we have you know elevated to these positions of power behaving this way doesn't mean that that's how we're allowed to behave, right? They clearly have their own deficiencies. They're human, just like the rest of us. We can't we cannot control their actions. We can only control our response to their actions, right? Vote them out of that. Vote vote them out of the position. Uh, demote them. Whatever it is, right? That's that that's figure out the way you can make a change and you go at that. But in your own personal life, just because you might see two leaders screaming at one another does not mean that that's how you should behave, right? Because you'll be wasting your time, first of all, because nothing will get fixed. Nothing will change from that. A a husband and wife screaming at the top of their lungs, whatever the problem is, it's not going to get resolved, Right. If if the husband has been leaving the toothpaste off the cap and not taking out the garbage and not helping take the dishwasher out and, and, and not helping pick up after the kids and leaving his video game controllers around and leaving his dirty underwear on the floor, right? You 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 accumulate all of those things that the wife sees that he's not doing well. And then one day she just completely snaps over something like a spoon left on the cabinet and starts screaming about, you didn't do this and this and this and this and this and this. Now you've just thrown like 15 things you're pissed at at them at once. And and now you're just screaming. And then he screams back and he's got a list of his 15 things you haven't done right. And now nothing gets settled. You calm it down, separate if you must, get yourself to an emotionally balanced place, and say, okay, when we just got done yelling at each other, we each had about 15 things that we were mad about. Let's go through them one by one, let's unpack them, and let's figure out what we can do in the future to make sure that we don't butt heads. Right? Unless you're, unless you're just with someone who's, a, who's wickedly narcissistic and just so out of touch with reality, they don't want to constantly be at odds with you. The, no, it, normal people... I'm using air quotes here, don't want to constantly be arguing with people. If you know those kind of people, then you're, as, as somebody in addiction recovery, you're going to have to know how to pull yourself out of that situation and pick and choose when to be around them. But if you feel like you have to respond in kind, when they snap, you have to snap, you're hurting yourself because it, that, that's doing you no good. You're, you're lowering yourself to their behavior in order to do what? To, to make yourself feel better? To, to justify their yelling at you, you yell back? It, it, that's not how we're going to behave anymore. We're going to be mindful of our behaviors. We're going to be mindful of our actions. And we're going to think things through in a balanced, uh, emotionally uh, mindful way.
When I feel someone, the next line in this, when I feel someone is attacking me, I would do well to consider the source before I react. You know, this is a good one because on Saturday, I'm a member of a men's professional group here in Los Angeles called Metal. It's an amazing group of people. It has nothing to do with sobriety. It's just professional men. It stands for uh, media, entertainment, technology, um, Oh, I forget what it used to be alpha leaders. Uh, we've since changed the acronym, but it's, uh, I think it's something with leadership now. Uh, this just changed a few weeks ago, but anyways, my point that's blah, doesn't matter. I'm getting off track. <laughs> it's that's important to note here is that I came across an old life coach of mine, uh, that I, that when I used to be in his men's group back when I was a drunk, um, I, I actually got out of his men's group about four months before I got sober because I found out that he was just not a man of integrity. He, he wasn't um, following his own practice. He wasn't practicing what he preached. He was just not a good human being. And I was very disappointed in him. I was, I was even more disappointed in myself for believing this charlatan. And, you know, it's just, you just, I'm a trustworthy person. If they say that they're living their life right and they're giving good advice, I'm going to take them at their word. Unfortunately, I got burned in this scenario. And um, so I, he, I, unbeknownst to me, um, he was still a member of this group. I had known back then that he was a member of the group and that I had joined through somebody else. I never seen him there. So I just assumed that he washed out and went away. I happened to run into him and, um, he acted like he didn't recognize me. I immediately acted like I didn't recognize him cause I really did not want to see this guy. And I was like, yeah, you know, my name's Jesse Mogul. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. I said, I remember he's like, wow, you put on weight. I mean, without missing a beat, just said I put on weight. And I don't, I could have taken that as, well, look at you. Don't you look fat? Or, hey, don't, or, or I could have taken it like, hey, wow, you look like you put on muscle. You know, either way, um, it's, he's right. Back whenever he knew me, I was about 40 pounds heavier. Um, I definitely lost all that weight whenever I got sober uh, through a lot of, you know, nutrition and working out. And then I put muscle back on. But I am, a, you know, I am a little bit more pudgy coming out of winter. I've enjoyed my sugar. I don't really know whether he was saying I looked fat or whether I looked muscular. It doesn't matter. Consider the source. This guy's a scumbag. I, I, I wouldn't stop him from getting stung to death by ki- killer bees. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pull him out of a raccoon's nest if he was screaming for help for days. He was not a good human being. I, don't, I want nothing to do with this man. I want nothing to harm anybody. I'm just saying that I would not go out of my way or put myself in danger to help him. He's somebody I would always go the opposite direction of. So I had to consider the source. And I just immediately responded like, yeah, you know, I mean, ever since I got so sober, I, I lost a bunch of weight. And now I'm putting back on muscle and it's just, I, I feel great. It feels amazing. Just a real quick response. And I could tell by his facial reaction that I didn't lash out like he had hoped I would. I did not give him the response that he wanted. You know, see, when, when people bring things up to you, they're generally looking for a reaction or a response. And as I've said before, a reaction comes from an emotionally triggered place and a response comes from a mindfully, emotionally balanced place. And I was able to pull it off. And I don't always do this. I was really happy that I pulled this off with this dude. The next line, if I am willing to forego revenge, I may be able to see a cowardly or provocative act toward me for what it really is. This man 
knows that I dissed him. I sent him an email saying I no longer want to be a men's group. I laid out the reasons why. I, I, I was very clear when I told him I would no longer be paying for his services and that he was fired. And I told him exactly what I knew about him and for why I was doing this. He never responded to that email. He never came after me for the rest of the money that I owed him. He was more than fine cutting off contact with me because he knows that what I found out about him was absolutely true. It came from a perfectly positive, truthful source. Everything I had heard was true. I laid it out for him and he had no response back. So when he sees me, him saying that I put on some weight, it was cowardly and it was provocative act. And it was just trying to spur me to pop off. Because I, uh, he knew back from back then that I had a bit of a temper, and he was just hoping that he could trigger it. The next sentence: Do I really need to convince the other person of what I see? Right? What am I? What am I trying to convince anyone of? They're they're going to have their own perception. They're going to have their own thought process. Whatever the reason is for why someone might be snapping at you, saying something negative towards you, that's their own perception. That's their own perspective. No doubt, many, 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 many of us did did people close to us wrong when we were addicts, when we were when we were in actively using, right? And we do need to make our amends. We do need to go and apologize for our behaviors. At the same time, if they're going to snap out and lash out at us now and say, "Oh, you're still acting the same way that you used to. You haven't changed. You're still that same drunk loser who's never going to amount to anything." If people are still talking that way to you, that's they've got their own issues. They've got their own things that they need to deal with. If you're actively pursuing your sobriety and recovery and you're going to meetings or you're you're reading or whatever it is you're doing to make yourself better, if you know that you're you are following a better path, if you know that you're bettering yourself, it doesn't matter if everyone sees it. Eventually people will if they want to, and people won't if they don't want to. But snapping back at them and screaming at them for how they're not living their lives with integrity or humility or gratitude isn't doing anyone anything. If you want to sit down and have a calm conversation about it, then figure that out. But I'll tell you this right here and now, when someone lashes out and if they say something to you that's negative, there's a really good chance that they're seeing that kind of thing within themselves and the best way for them to ignore it or not have to deal with it is to lash out and project their insecurities, project their anger, project their issue out on you. Right, me and my old roommate used to talk about this a lot. We see it, people project, you know, they'll be like, "Oh, you know, they might say something bad about your clothes. They might say something about your income. They might say something about your car." All they're doing is is feeling insecure inside themselves about something, and therefore they need to lash out at you in order to make themselves feel better. Right? There's a saying, and I know I'm going to butcher this, so I'll paraphrase it, but it's like, no one, no one ahead of you is ever going to turn around and make fun of you for how hard you're working to get where they're at. Right? If they're truly supportive, if they're a good, morally valued, ethical kind of human, right? no one who's beating you in the race is going to turn around and tell you that you suck and you should quit. Right? They're going to, they're going to cheer you on because what do they care? They're already ahead of you. It'd be like if a billionaire saw me working my ass off and was like, what are you even trying for? You should just go and, you know, just, you know, go and, and be a waiter the rest of your life. You go and be a garbage man. Why don't you just go and crawl in a hole and, and just cry yourself to sleep? 
No one who's ahead in the race is, should be dogging you. If they are, they're, then they, they, they are morally corrupt and they're ethically less, and you don't want to deal with them anyways. No one who is a normal, supportive human is ever going to dog you for trying your best to, be, to better yourself. So if you see people projecting their negativity, their cynicism, their sarcasticness towards you, just realize that they've got something inside themselves they need to work on, and they're seeing something in you that is making them jealous or angry or whatever it might be. And the best way to keep you from attaining what it is you want and making them feel even worse about themselves is to knock you down so that you stop trying. Do not let people do that to you. Wherever you're at in your sobriety and recovery, whatever uh, problems you've had in the past, however you may have failed other people, right? you are now pursuing a better version of yourself. You're still going to stumble. And when you do, it is not fair for somebody to lash out and say you're just like you used to be whenever you were drunk and, and, and an addict because that's not what you're doing. Right? I'm giving all of us the benefit of the doubt that we're pursuing the better version of ourselves that has always been inside of us. I, I don't know what you're doing on any given day, but I'm going to assume if you're the kind of person who listens to a show like this, you are actively involved in your addiction recovery and you're striving to be the best version of yourself every single day. We're not always going to get there. We're going to fall short. We're going to disappoint people. It's going to happen. That's what normal human behavior is. Just because we also live with a label of addict or, or addiction recovery person doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're expected to be 100%. I don't want, nor should you, any more leeway than the next person, right? If I didn't, if I didn't live up to an expectation, um, if, well, again, I've got issues with the word expectation, but if I didn't live up to my job responsibilities, if I said I was going to do something and then I didn't do it, then let's have the conversation about why that didn't get done, but let's not negatively lash out at someone, right? I've had some conversations with people where all they've wanted to do was just talk to me about why something didn't play out the way that they had hoped it would, and I immediately lashed out in anger, right? I immediately attacked back because I didn't want someone telling me that I wasn't doing it right or that I wasn't being as perfect as possible. I have this perfection issue. It stems from my stepdad and the way that he taught me about school and life. I work on it constantly, but it doesn't mean that I don't lash back out. So it's just very important to just calm it down, figuring out why you're lashing out, figure out maybe why that person's projecting on you, and and then have a conversation. If you can't have that conversation, then you must walk away. You know, I, I keep thinking about tonight's meeting and people having issues with their roommates. And it's like in the past when I've had issues, if you if they can't be resolved, then perhaps it's just better to part ways. It's okay. You know, just because this person's not living in my house or this person's not in my life any longer doesn't mean that we're enemies now. I still want you to eat, just not at my table. Right? So you just have to be extremely mindful of how you're responding to somebody else and realizing that it's really a great opportunity to open up a channel of communication, right? And then the, let's see, uh, what does it say right here? And it finishes off, or might it not be enough just to escape the situation with my own peace of mind intact? That's it right there. 
that that's a great way to wrap up this episode is if somebody is projecting on you like this guy was to me at the meeting on Saturday, right? Better for me to just leave with my peace of mind intact, knowing that he is the kind of person he is, knowing that I'm becoming the, the man that I've always wanted to be. I don't, it doesn't matter what he thinks about me. And it definitely doesn't matter what he says about me. Whenever you're in your own life and you've got people around you that want to constantly remind you of who you used to be, I want to be that voice who tells you that you are achieving better now than you probably ever thought you could because you're finally doing it with a clear head and a clear mind. You're not going to be perfect. And that's okay. I cannot stress that enough to all of you out there that in this act of becoming the better version of ourselves, we're going to drop the ball once in a while. The most amazing part about it is that we're, if we're blessed enough to have another day, then we're blessed to have that day. Jimmy Garoppolo overthrows a wide receiver that would have put his team ahead last night in the Super Bowl. That's okay. Next year, he gets a whole bunch more games to make up for it, and maybe one day he gets back to that game. No mistake is too far to come back from. Even if you did something horrible and you ended up in prison, you can still better your life even there. I know when I say something like no, no, no mistake is ever so horrible that you can't come back from it, that people will talk about you know, murder or rape or and there's a ton of things, right? Because you, everyone wants to go straight to the most extreme. Even in those situations, there are ways that that person can make amends. There's a way that that person can better themselves, become of service to their community, become of service to humanity, and they can at least begin to pay back for their wrong, wrongful deed and their misdoings. I'm going to close out on this, that when people bring things up to you, they are looking for, and it's not only this, it's not confined to just this list, but when people bring things up to you, they're looking for a reaction, which again, emotionally triggered, a response, emotionally balanced. Perhaps they're looking for justification or clarity, understanding about your behavior, right? They might be looking for changed behavior or just an understanding uh, justification or clarity for your behavior. Don't be one of those people who doesn't think that you don't need to justify your actions. Certain people just want to know why you're doing something, right? If they don't understand when you just, when you tell them, this is just the way I like to do it, that's, that's not a good enough answer. I've realized this recently. This is just the way I want to do it. Isn't the best answer, if you give somebody, oh, well, you know, this is why I leave the spoon in the sink. Because later on when I want to use that spoon to stir something, I can just use the same spoon. So why put it in the dishwasher and go through all my spoons? I've only got six of them, right? Oh, that's a made-up thing, but it's just like whatever your action is, why do you leave your shoes by the door? right? If your kid's kicking his shoes off by the door and dropping his backpack by the door, why? Sit him down and find You want a change behavior. You want the shoes in the closet and the backpack in the room. You want that behavior to change, right? So sit him down. Get some clarity. Get some understanding. Get some justification. Why do they think that that behavior is okay? When you sit down and have that conversation from a non-emotionally triggered place where you're not screaming back and forth at each other, eventually you will get the clarity, the justification, and the understanding that you are seeking. Right? When somebody brings something up to you, a, a, a reaction is probably going to be looking for you to be emotionally triggered. So they're, they're, they're hoping that you throw something negative at them so they can start a fight because that's what they're looking for. A response, emotionally balanced. They're going to be looking for a positive interaction out of this. 
right? This is, this is how you talk to your kids. This is how you talk to your loved ones. This is how you talk to your coworkers. Looking for an emotionally balanced, positive response. If you are looking for a changed behavior, if you're looking for clarification, justification, understanding in these behaviors, you have to come at it and approach it from an emotionally positive, balanced place. And if somebody comes at you with their negativity and their snappiness, you have to become the better person. You have to respond, not in kind with the same negativity, but with positivity and optimism and a calmness. Even if they want to continue screaming at you in your face, you just sit there and it's, it's not disrespectful that you take it. It's not cowardly that you take it. It doesn't say that you're, you're licking their shoes because you let this person scream at you and you don't scream back. It actually shows that you, you are in a more balanced, aware space and you do not have to act like that. I'm not going to use the term that you're better than them because this isn't trying to pedestal or unpedestal somebody. The fact is, is that you are just in a different space and you do not need to react the way they are in order to get your message across. If you're a boss, if you're a leader, if you're someone in charge of things, I want you to think about this when you go to talk to the people who are underneath you, who are your subordinates, who are who you've hired, whatever it might be. If you're a teacher, if you're in a classroom, understanding that if you come at people with, with this calmness and this clarity of thought and of emotions, you are going to get a much better response instead of a reaction. Thank you so much for listening today. I really hope that you've enjoyed this episode. As always, it's all about inclusivity over exclusivity. Be kind to one another. The power of positive energy. Release it and let your life flow. Until we meet again, see you next week. Bye-bye. 